What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today we've got Sam Andrews, the author of Crypto Clarity. Sam recently wrote a massive article on the recent downfall of Sam Bankman-Fried, aka SBF, and the catastrophe that happened at FTX and Alameda this past week. While this news falls a bit outside of the normal programming for Off The Chain, I felt it would be a great opportunity to educate my audience on what the hell happened and how we got here. I hope you enjoy. Sam, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining Off The Chain. How are you? Hey, Dylan. I'm doing all right. Thanks. Trying to keep all my hair and uh, figure out what's going on in these crazy, tumultuous crypto markets. Of course. And so everyone who listens to my podcast, a lot of it is primarily around NFTs and less about the financialization of them. But I think what's been going on with FTX is really important for people to understand the basics of what's going on. And after you had recently wrote your article explaining it, thought this would be a great opportunity to have you come on to talk about your POV of what you see uh, and where we think we can really go from here. And so before even diving into the research that you've done, can you just give a little bit of your career background just to set the stage a bit? Sure, Dylan. So a couple of things to note. I, uh, I'm the author of a crypto publication called Crypto Clarity, which you can find on Substack. And I kind of pitch it as taking a seasoned investor's approach to crypto. And I come out of the hedge fund world. I spent eight plus years at a firm called Blue Mountain Capital, which was a $22 billion hedge fund based in New York. And my primary responsibilities were on the investing side, both on the equity and, and credit side. So I very much have a kind of in tune financial markets view to what's happening in crypto markets. And then also more broadly, uh, crypto markets, or sorry, crypto markets and more broadly uh, financial markets. And I think in the FTX situation is that the ramifications of what has happened um, will touch many markets, specifically crypto markets, beyond that NFT markets, and probably even beyond that kind of financial markets more broadly. So I think it's, you know, everyone who's attached to crypto to some degree um, kind of needs to pay attention to what's happened here. And prior to writing this article, have you been doing a lot of research on FTX as a whole? And did you have any sort of POV on the legitimacy of the company? My research did not focus on FTX prior to this article. I was very much aware of who they were, the size of it, and kind of like what they did. I had not written any pieces on them. Um, I did not have a any view on FTX. I, like many other people, and I think probably virtually everyone was just under the assumption that like, this is the second largest exchange. They're worth $32 billion. They're venture backed by some of the highest pedigree names from Sequoia to Tiger. Like these guys are legit. How could they get this big and be this well known without being incredibly legit? And I think what has now surfaced is there's maybe semblance to Theranos from a few years back, uh, which your audience may be familiar with, was a, uh, a very large blow up of 
being totally unrelated to crypto, but the similarity being that very large venture back by a whole lot of like very well pedigreed funds that were like, how did this thing get so big with this many people involved in it? Yeah. And it's always interesting. It's like, who's doing the due diligence here? And it seems like everyone else is always thinking that somebody else is exactly. <laughs> and next thing you know, you've got these companies that are worth billions of dollars, but what is the product actually? And what are the safeguards and what are the checks and balances? And this is a prime example of there really weren't any. And so let's dive into uh, this may be a bit basic for some people. But again, I just want to make sure that this is like an educational podcast right now. It's a bit different from the ones that I've done. Can you just explain what FTX is and also what Alameda is and how the two run in parallel to one another? Okay. Um, so FTX is the second largest uh, centralized exchange. Centralized exchange, there are two different types of exchanges, centralized exchange and decentralized exchange. A centralized exchange, um, similar to Binance being the largest or Coinbase, which in the US people may be most familiar with, is an exchange that directly links to your bank account where you can send US dollars onto the exchange. And then from the, once those US dollars are on the exchange, you can buy virtually any sort of token you want. Um, and so they provide Custody services and trade execution would be the main two services that they provide, along with a litany of others. But for the main, for maybe for this discussion, those are the two main services. Um, so super valuable because they are the primary on ramp on into crypto for everyone, and so that's why these exchanges are necessary. Um, separate from that, you have Alameda, or known as Alameda Research. Alameda is a crypto hedge fund. And so what that means is they've got their own capital and they go and buy and sell different tokens with a view that one token price is going to go up and maybe they sell when they think a token price is going to go down. And so those what those two things are They're What we discovered, which was known before, but probably not to the degree that is now surfaced, is how intertwined these two uh, organizations were. So you have Alameda actually came first. It was launched in 2017. It was launched by Sam Bankman-Fried, who affectionately known as uh, as SBF, and he is the kind of point man in all this. So he founded uh, Alameda. Two years later, he founded um, in 2019. He founded FTX, and FTX had a spectacular rise to fame. In the span of roughly three years, they went from nobody to the second largest exchange valued at 32 billion dollars coinbase which had been around for like 10 years ftx eclipsed, eclipsed them within like two years um so it was staggering how quickly ftx was growing and how quickly they were building the majority of ftx's business was in what's called ftx international which is outside of the US. And that's kind of like where the main part of the business was. And part of the reason they were able to grow pretty quickly is they were an offshore entity um, where regulation um, is far more lax than it is here in the US, albeit that like in crypto in general, there's not a ton of regulation. Of course, you've got FTX, you've got Alameda, we're going to dive into the specifics, but can you give maybe like the two to four minute overview of what the hell happened over the past four days? How did okay. Sam go from this 
white knight of crypto to effectively losing everything for himself and his clients? A quick rundown. There, there's a few things that happen, and I'll just kind of run them through sequentially. So first thing that happened is last week, November 2nd, Coindesk published a, an article highlighting Alameda's balance sheet. And Alameda being a private company, no one knew what the balance sheet looked like. And they had about $14 billion of assets, about $8 billion of liabilities for an equity value of about $6 billion. All looked like some seemingly legit until you take a closer look at what the assets on Alameda's balance sheet are. Um, and the largest asset, which was about $6 billion worth, was in this FTT token. Um, and that, keep in mind that there was $6 billion worth of FTT token because that will play a critical part in the story. And so what that balance sheet highlighted was the intimate relationship between Alameda and FTX. Um, and how we know is the, intimate, the relationship was so intimate is because FTX issues the FTT token. And all of a sudden, the entire equity value of Alameda was reliant on the token that FTX issued. Um, the second thing it highlighted was that the FTT token is, is essentially a made-up asset. Um, and that kind of harkens back a bit to the Terra Luna collapse, where you have this token that's kind of fabricated by FTX, that they control the issuance of it, they control... Um, they, they own the vast majority of it, uh, and they so could effectively set the price of what the FTT token was. Um, it's also incredibly liquid, and it, what it highlighted is that about the $6 billion of equity value that Alameda had was all in this FTT token. So all of a sudden, people saw this, and like alarm bells rang out that, like, wait a second, if Alameda is in trouble, they effectively don't have any equity value. Their entire equity value is made up by this fabricated token that FTX controls. Then, wait a second, um, FTX could be in, in trouble. And so kind of news started percolating about that last, uh, the week before last. And then what was the kind of cataclysmic event is enter CZ. CZ is the CEO and founder of Binance. Binance is the largest um, exchange. He tweets on last Monday or Tuesday, about a week ago, that they are going to sell their entire uh, FTT bags. They own about $500 million worth of FTT. Now, once the market realized that, it was like a bomb had just been detonated. And the reason for that is because 500 million is a ton of FTT to be owning. And remember, I told you, like, FTT is super illiquid, right? It trades about like yeah. $30 million a day. So to sell $500 million worth of a token and something that only trades $30 million a day, like, is impossible. Like, you're going to crater the yeah. market. Um, and, and so the and market Binance owns 20% of Binance, which is also bad signaling for the market. Is that, in, is that incorrect? So the, sorry, you're saying Binance owns 20% of Binance token? Of FTX. Isn't Binance a major shareholder of FTX? Binance had 500 million worth of FTT tokens is because you're not totally incorrect, Dylan. Um, Binance used to own a 10% stake in FTX. 
which they bought shortly after it was launched in 2019. By July 2021, uh, SBF runs FTX and CZ who runs Binance. They, the relationship had soured. Um, Binance was thwarting some of the growth that FTX wanted. And so SBF bought back the 10% stake that Binance owned in, um, in FTX. And they funded that by one and a half billion dollars of stable coins and $500 million of FTT tokens. And that's why Binance had $500 million worth of this FTT token. So all of a sudden, CZ comes out and says, due to you know, new revelations that have come about, there's speculation as to what he was referring to, either um, regulation that SBF was pushing for that was going to be supportive for FTX's business at the detriment of Binance's business, or CZ was on to something else. It's not really clear. Um, but he announces somewhat out of the blue that I'm going to sell $500 million worth of FTT token and that's what just like blew things up. And that's when you could see through like on-chain activity that you can track, all of a sudden there were requests for huge amounts of uh, withdrawals from FTX. Because the thinking goes, if Alameda is gonna, go bu- is gonna be insolvent because all their entire equity value is made up of this FTT token, whose price is about to crater, then it's likely FTX is gonna be in problem as well. I'm not going to sit around and wait to see how this plays out. I'm going to like get out now and I'll figure this out later. And that created the stampede um, of depositors. There's about $16 billion worth of deposits on FTX. Within the span of 72 hours, there were $6 billion worth of client redemptions. Like they wanted to get their money out. And now what happened is FTX didn't have the money. So they had to halt withdrawals, which then, you know, once there's a full on like bank run, which is exactly what this was, um, you know, you want to dump first and like you want to get out of there. Um, So they halted FDX halted withdrawals um, because they didn't have the money. Um, And then a strange turn of events, um, you know, prior to this happening, SBF was tweeting about how everything was fine and they're going to be okay. That clearly proved not to be the case once they halted withdrawals. Shortly thereafter, um, we get a tweet from SBF saying, I got an announcement to make. We are going to sell ourselves. FTX is going to be sold to Binance. And everyone's like, wait, what? Like that, that was so unexpected, but also then just confirmed that FTX must be insolvent um, because it had, a week prior had been worth $32 billion and now they're going to sell the Binance for like a dollar for like virtually nothing. Um, something has gone incredibly wrong. Um, and then 26 hours later, Binance comes out and says, listen, we've looked at this. There is no way we're buying this thing. <laughs> like this is such a mess. We like, we cannot touch this. Like we're out of here. Um, and then by Friday morning, FTX International, which is the bulk of the business, as, as well as FTX US, which is their smaller US business, they both filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy here in the US. And that appeared to be the end of the saga. Um, and just when you thought things couldn't get any stranger, 
or even way more screwed up, all of a sudden, you know, Friday night, I'm thinking like, all right, I can finally catch a breather here. Story for now is at least over. I'm walking through the park. All of a sudden, my phone is blowing up and they're like, FTX seems to be hacked. We don't know what's going on. There's and you could watch it. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, more tuned into what's happening and I'm watching the money flow. And before my eyes, there was like $200 million has flowed out of FTX wallets into other wallets. And then by the time it was all said and done, it was closer to like $600 million. <laughs> So you wake up Saturday morning, you're just like, what just happened? Okay, so I have so many questions for you. I think some are going to be very, very basic. So please excuse me. I'm not a finance uh, expert. From my understanding... If every person tried taking their funds out of a regular bank, the banks wouldn't have the liquidity to cover that. Is that correct or not? And if it's correct, how is this different? Yeah. So, Dylan, that is partially correct. So, if, you know, the degree of withdrawals that FTX faced, the $6 billion on the uh, $16 billion of deposits, right? Like 40%. No bank in the U.S. would be able to withhold or sorry, to be able to cope with that type of withdrawals. Like banks just don't have that kind of money sitting around like your money may be, may be in your checkings account. But the bank goes and does things with that money that you have in your checkings account, account with them. They issue mortgages, for example. Uh, so no bank would be able to withstand that type of uh, deposits or that type of withdrawal. Sorry, not even close. But. U.S. banks are regulated by various um, regulation in the U.S. They are also backed by the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve. So all deposits in on U.S. banks, usually up to $250,000, are guaranteed by the U.S. government. So that means that like, if something shady happened with the bank, which has happened in pri prior times, um, your deposits would still be safe. Right. And so that backstop by the Federal Reserve means that like bank runs don't don't happen and in the U.S. anymore. Right. Because most a lot of the capital is um, is protected by the U.S. government. Um, in the case of FTX, FTX is not a bank. Um, it's also it, brokers in the U.S. are dealt with slightly differently. But it's also not a U.S. business, right? Recall, it's it's FTX International, which is the bulk of the business, which is an offshore business. So it's not regulated um, as, say, for example, Coinbase is regulated, which is domiciled here in the U.S. And so there's no one to backstop FTX. Like once the withdrawals come in, like if they don't have the money, tough luck. And the problem is a lot of the money that they did have was in FTT, which totally cratered meaning that they didn't have any money to be able to give back to their clients? Uh, I'd, I'd categorize it a little bit differently. Um, it wasn't that FTX had money in FTT. I mean, they did. Um, but per the terms of, of service agreement, uh, if you're an FTX client, your funds are supposed to be in a segregated account. And your funds cannot be used for anything else than what you specifically deem you want to use your funds for. I.e., if I have an account with FTX, I, I log on my FTX and I say, go buy ETH, go buy Dogecoin, go buy like whatever. 
that's all the capital is supposed to be used for. And it turns out that was not the case. So where did all the money go is the big question. Now, things have come to light. We've got some ideas as to where that money went. Um, and FTT, the FTT token plays a critical role in moving all this money around. But all of a sudden, these withdrawals came in and FTX did not have the money, which led. And not only did they not have the money, it was nowhere. The money was nowhere to be found. And when Binance took a look at it, they were like, whoa, this is really bad. Like, we're like, we're out of here. We're not doing anything with you guys. So I can elaborate a little bit more if you want on where the money could be. Sure. Let's do it. What appears to have happened is that some of the cap, some of the FTX money, like depositor money, was lent to Alameda. So why would that um, why would that have happened? It is likely now is seem to emerge is that back in the kind of spring summer when you saw the real market route um, of Terra Luna collapsing, then Celsius, then uh, Three Arrows Capital, all those things kind of combining, markets totally blew up. There was lots of insolvencies. Um, Alameda, the, we call it, they're a crypto hedge fund, was seemingly unscathed. Now it appears that that may not have necessarily been the case. What has seemingly come to light is that FTX was moving funds to out, back and forth to Alameda. And so the question is like, well, how do you know that? And how were they able to do this without anybody cluing into this? And that's where the FTT token kind of plays into this. And so how the FTT token worked is FTX issued the FTT token. In, in some cases, it was given away for free, minted or um, bought. Alameda ended up with a lot of FTT. What FTX did was since they effectively cornered the market, they, they pumped up the price of FTT so that a couple of years later, all of a sudden, um, Alameda has several billion dollars. And as of apparently just this past June, had $6 billion worth of FTT token. Now, they use that token as collateral for loans. Some of those loans were from FTX. Some of those loans were from um, other companies, Voyager, for example, which was one of the companies that went uh, bankrupt in the spring. And that's a pretty shady process, right? It's a pretty shady process for a few reasons. Number one, you're effectively collateralizing an asset that doesn't really have any value, who you, FTX, have propped up the value of this asset. Um, and this, the third shady thing, which is uh, become where things become illegal, is many signs point to FTX having actually used client deposits to go um, to loan to Alameda in exchange for the collateral of the FTT token. Um, and that's and as that, big of a no-no as it gets. Yeah, that is illegal. That's it's in breach of their service agreements, and certainly in the U.S., like you are um, effectively as an exchange, you cannot use client funds for reasons other than what you say you're going to use them for. If CZ didn't make his tweet that he was going to liquidate his half a billion dollar position in FTX, would this have still come to light 
and if so, would it have come to light as quickly as it did? Yes, it would have still come to light, but I believe the outcome would have been different. So recall that the first kind of domino to fall here was this Coindesk article highlighting Alameda's balance sheet. So before CZ tweeted anything, people realized what the balance sheet looked like and like, ooh, this does not look good. And so that was the first kind of cascading effect that led to people uh, looking to pull money out of FTX. And those people who clued in that pretty early, like got their money out of FTX. Um, and so given the degree of how intertwined Alameda and FTX were, given how precarious a position Alameda was actually in, and now what has come to light subsequent to all all this is the likely fraud of using client funds for things they definitely should not have been using client funds for. Um, it's likely it was a matter of time before FTX totally crumbled. However, I do believe had it not been for CZ's tweet, the crumbling would not have been as dramatic as what has played out over this past week. And the reason for that is one, it probably would have given FTX a little bit more time to realize like we're still screwed, but they could have a more coordinated um, kind of advanced restructuring filings, which when you do that, you generally leads to better outcomes for everyone involved. And, and that like clients would have probably been better off in that situation. And quite frankly, the, the like black mark for crypto markets overall probably wouldn't have been, it still would have been bad, but probably not as bad. Like I think what has transpired is the worst possible scenario of how this could have played out. Extremely blanketed question that I have right now is what happens next? Let me just finish off with what has happened. So by Great. filing for bankruptcy, what that means is there's effectively a freeze on everything. So that means customer deposits can't, can't be pulled out. Asset, uh, assets that FTX owns, which they own assets outside, and they own, own a whole bunch of different assets, cannot be sold. Um, and creditors cannot enforce. Uh, by creditor enforcement, that means like if you know you have a loan outstanding and they're not paying the loan, like you can take them to court and get them and seize you know whatever assets they they may have. So none of that stuff can happen right now. So everything is at a standstill, um, and it's at a st standstill to give creditors. In this case, creditors will be will be different classes of creditors, but they'll be the depositors, right? The people who have like sixteen billion dollars worth of assets that they deposited on FTX. Um, the creditors will also be if FTX have any loans outstanding, um, that could potentially be a creditor. And then there's, you know, a whole bunch of probably smaller creditors, service providers and so forth that FTX probably hasn't paid. Um, so those guys all get together and figure out, you know, how much money we're actually owed. And then through the restructuring, they figure out, well, how many assets does FTX actually have? And what is the value of those assets? And then how do we um, distribute the value of those assets to all these, you know, to these three different class of creditors. And so that is what's going to happen. Restructuring processes generally take several years. Like I suspect this will not be sorted out for like three years. And 
what will happen is the value of the assets will be distributed over all the different creditors, but the value of the assets is undoubtedly much smaller than the value of all the creditors, which means that, you know, if you've got however many, whatever your value of deposits that you have on FTX, you will probably get no more than like 10 to maybe 30 cents on the dollar for um, whatever you have deposited there. Wow. This is obviously a lot to take in here. You mentioned that there's ramifications outside of just the crypto world here, and you use just the financial markets overall. Why are the financial markets overall going to be impacted by this? There's, I think there's a, there's a few things at, at play here. Um, one, the risk of further contagion is really high. And what I mean by contagion is... Think of it as a string of dominoes. Once one domino falls, then it knocks over a whole bunch of other dominoes. And to give you a simple example here, the $16 billion of deposits that are in FTX that will likely get written down to like close to zero, right? All of a sudden, you know, if I'm either as an individual or as a fund that has money lost on FTX, then I've got to manage my own balance sheet right? My, um, differently now. So I probably need to go sell other assets just to maintain my reserve base, right? Um, and so that causes a whole bunch of additional selling beyond, you know, the loss that we uh, have already been encountered. Then all the creditors that um, FTX has, right, who the loans that they may have made to FTX, they're kind of screwed, like they're not going to get a whole lot either. And so they need to go sell other assets in order to shore up their reserves as well. All the same with Alameda, all the same with the, the other C5 platforms that FTX um, bailed out over the course of the spring and summer, notably BlockFi and Voyager. Um, the same, so that kind of forced selling, that just like continues to spiral. Um, and some of that, most of that will be in crypto markets, but I suspect people are, will be selling other assets, equities, and so forth um, in addition to that. Um, there's also what has surfaced here is like there's real counterparty risk. And so recall at the top of the conversation, I explained why a centralized exchange is so critical because it's the on-ramps into crypto. And you've really got to be able to, tr as much as crypto is trying to build a um, kind of trustless state, which you know I do believe at some point we'll get to. But in the interim, like you do really need to trust these centralized actors, these centralized exchanges, because that's your on-ramps into crypto. And if you can't trust the on-ramp anymore, like certainly the second largest on-ramp and the most one of the most well-known ones, then how are you supposed to get into crypto? And also if you're currently invested in crypto, then how do I know Buy, you know, my assets that I trade through Binance or Kraken or Coinbase, like, how do I know, like, they're okay, right? Um, there'll be, like, additional regulation here for sure. Unfortunately, SBF was very much the face of uh, crypto regulation in the, U in the U.S. He was very close to many, both politicians and regulators in D.C. Um, and he was the one testifying in front of Capitol Hill on, like, how crypto works, how it's different in the financial market, how the collapse of 2008 couldn't happen in crypto because everything is transparent and above board in crypto. And it just proved to be a, you know, a, a total lie. 
And I think more broadly right now, there's just like a huge distrust, sorry, distrust in crypto, right? Going back to the counterparty thing about centralized exchanges that I talked about. But, you know, at some point, consumers just get like kind of fed up of like, wait, what is going on here? Like, why? Why do these things keep blowing up? I don't totally understand it, but what I keep reading about is yet there's some other fraud, collapse, whatever. Um, and that ends up just getting stuck in people's mind, and that becomes pretty hard to overturn. Yeah. Sam, this has been so interesting, and I feel like usually I'm talking so much more than what I did on this podcast, but I... I just had to learn here. This is definitely outside of my comfort zone. You and I only scheduled this about 30 minutes ago. And so number one, I just want to thank you for coming on here and writing such a succinct piece on your POV of what happened and then being able to come here and really share your overview. And hopefully this resonates with my audience and they're able to get more educated. And so thank you so much for coming on in a short amount of time. I know we could probably talk for another 20 hours on this, but in the meantime, can you please share where people can find some more of your future work? Yeah, um, specify me on Twitter. Uh, My handle is Samuel M. Andrew. And then you'll have links to um, my publication there. Or if you search on Crypto Clarity on Substack, you'll find all my many lengthy articles diving into what's going on with FTX and then more broadly things that are going on in, in the crypto markets. I love it. And we'll do a quick goodbye off camera. But for now, thank you so much for joining. This has been extremely helpful and I appreciate you taking the time. Of course, we'll be in touch. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time.